welcome to the Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Shooter, Certified Lifestyle Medicine Practitioner. My aim is to help everyday people understand science, not the science, and to use that understanding to make better choices for their health and well-being. Each episode, I'll be bringing my latest Substack post to you in audio form. For the full visual experience, including graphs, charts, images, and videos, view the accompanying post in my Empowered Substack. And now, let's dive in. Episode 82, Sharpening Hanlon's Razor Against Granny Killers. Revisiting the incompetence versus malice argument in the light of Australia's ongoing gerontocide. Back in January 2022, I wrote an article titled, Is Hanlon's Razor Sharp Enough for COVID-19? In which I asked whether we should be following the advice of Robert Hanlon, that is to, quote, never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity, end quote, when it came to the behaviour of politicians and bureaucrats during the manufactured COVID crisis. Since then, I've had many conversations on this topic and read and listened to commentators with a variety of points of view. The exchange between the German academic who writes under the pseudonym Eugippius, or Eugippius and fellow trenchant critic of Covidiacy Igor Tudov in three posts which I've linked to in the post accompanying this podcast episode is a superlative summary of the conspiracy by evil people versus emergent phenomena of declining institutions populated by deadheads debate. And I'd really encourage you to read those three posts and reflect on them deeply. This exchange between Tudov and Orgipius is also a model of respectful debate between people who disagree with each other on important points and should be read for that reason alone, especially in the wake of the Twitter storm that erupted when Dr. Peter Hotez refused to accept podcaster Joe Rogan's invitation to debate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on Kennedy's alleged vaccine information on Rogan's podcast. Just note that Rogan's initial tweet alone garnered 210,900 likes and 11,800 replies, most of them in favour of the debate that Hotez refused to participate in. Hanlon's razor returned to the top of my mind when a subscriber and frequent correspondent named Mick sent me a link to the latest version of a document titled COVID-19 Outbreaks in Australian Residential Aged Care Facilities National Snapshot. This document, published by the Department of Health and Aged Care of the Federal Government, is a, quote, weekly report which provides a snapshot of data on the impact of COVID-19 in residential aged care facilities nationally, end quote. In it, we learn that, quote, as of 8 a.m. on the 22nd of June 2023, there are 1,880 active COVID-19 cases in 292 active outbreaks, and by the way, in the document, an outbreak is defined as at least one positive case in a resident or two or more cases in staff. So there were 292 active outbreaks in residential aged care facilities across Australia. There have been 99 new outbreaks, 42 new resident deaths and 1,592 combined new resident and staff cases reported since the 15th of June 2023, end quote. Cast your mind back to 2020 and 2021, when every so-called case of COVID-19 was breathlessly reported in every news update of every television and radio station and on the front page of every newspaper. Remember those daily press conferences when premiers and the health ministers somberly intoned the numbers of supposed COVID-related hospitalizations and deaths that had occurred since their last appearance before the Mockingbird media? Yeah, so last week, 42 elderly institutionalised people bought the farm, supposedly of COVID-19, and no one in the media or government gave a crap. 
On top of that, figures from the article demonstrate that there have been multiple surges of outbreaks, cases and deaths attributed to COVID-19 in aged care facilities since January 2022, which show an oddly coincidental correspondence with vaccination drives, but we'll return to this point later. And once again, there has been deafening silence, both from the corridors of power and the legacy media. We also learned from the report that, quote, 71,304 prescriptions for Legevrio, that is Monupiravir, have been issued to residents in residential aged care facilities, with a further 5,501 prescriptions for Paxlovid, Nomeltrivir plus Rutonavir, also issued since the 28th of February 2022 and up to the 18th of June 2023. Oh, would that be the monupiravir that the National Clinical Evidence Task Force, NSET, advised back in December 2022 should not be routinely used for COVID because it, quote, does not have an impact on the combined endpoint of hospitalisation and or mortality in multiply vaccinated adults with mild COVID-19 and one or more risk factors for disease progression, end quote. Would that be the monupiravir that isn't even included on NSET's decision tool, drug treatments for at-risk adults with COVID-19 who do not require oxygen, which would presumably cover all people who are being treated for COVID-19 within an aged care facility? I guess they have to do something with the massive stockpile that they ordered back in early 2022 of this next-to-useless drug that promotes transmissible viral mutations, is possibly carcinogenic or cancer-causing, and resulted in more deaths from COVID-19 than placebo in some randomised clinical trials. I covered this in my previous article, The Great Molnupiravir Swindle. So why not palm that stockpile off on helpless residents of old folks' homes? After all, if you give it to everyone who tests positive to SARS-CoV-2, you can easily disguise any excess deaths that it's causing because there's no control group to compare outcomes. We also learned from the report that, quote, people living in residential aged care homes remain a high priority for the government's COVID-19 vaccination program. The department is continuing to communicate with both the aged care and primary care sectors, reinforcing the importance of uptake and promoting the 2023 booster dose via regular newsletters, bulletins, social media videos and webinars. All aged care residents who have not had a COVID-19 vaccination or a COVID-19 infection within the last six months continue to be offered a 2023 booster dose. The added protection from vaccination is especially important for aged care residents and will help reduce the risk of severe illness or hospitalisation, end quote. By added protection, do they mean the increased risk of infection with every dose of vaccine that was demonstrated in a study of 51,017 employees of the Cleveland Clinic published in April 2023? I've reproduced a figure and a table from that particular study, which clearly show that, as the author's own words put it, quote, the greater the number of vaccine doses previously received, the higher the risk of COVID-19, end quote. The Cleveland Clinic study authors explicitly stated that, quote, a protective effect of bivalent vaccination could not be demonstrated while the XBB strains were dominant, end quote. Those strains are still dominant in Australia, accounting for 72% of all sequences uploaded to Austracker in May-June of 2023. But never fear, the smart people running the Commonwealth Health Department were super proud to report that, in the weeks since the previous update, 4,282 aged care facility residents had been jabbed with a, quote, 2023 booster dose, end quote. 
According to advice issued by the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation, ATAGI, in February 2023, the preferred product for a 2023 booster dose in the nursing home age group is, you guessed it, the completely useless and in fact risk-increasing bivalent shot. Ah, but, 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 I hear the Branch Covidians protest. That Cleveland Clinic study was conducted in healthy, working-age adults, so the results can't be extrapolated to elderly residents of aged care facilities. And we know the COVID jabs reduce the risk of hospitalisation and death in this population because there's lots of vaccine science, trademark, that says so. And that's where a new paper written by Dr. Wilson Tsai comes in, and I've linked to that paper in the post accompanying this podcast episode. Dr. Tsai was formerly head of research for the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority, APRA, and an executive at the Australian Securities and Investment Commission, ASIC, and the Australian Treasury. In 2018, Tsai became a whistleblower on the regulatory capture of APRA, ASIC and Treasury by the banking industry, accusing these agencies of creating fake regulation which benefits financial predators, including the major banks, at the expense of the public. Sai turned his impressive analytic skills to Australia's COVID response, producing a series of papers, which again I've linked to in the post accompanying this podcast episode, on the failure of the so-called vaccines to end the pandemic and the evidence that they were actually driving excess mortality. The third paper in this series, Simpson's Paradox in the Correlations Between Excess Mortality and COVID-19 Injections, a case study of iatrogenic pandemic for elderly Australians, explains why the studies purporting to show that the shots decrease the risk of serious illness, hospitalisation and death are just plain wrong. I'd really encourage you to read this paper, but in a nutshell, deaths that occurred within two weeks of the first shot were arbitrarily categorised as unvaccinated deaths, Whilst in those who survived the initial injection, there was a peak of excess mortality roughly five months later, a temporal separation confirmed in datasets from several other countries, which intimates that the injections are exacerbating terminal conditions such as heart disease, cancer and neurodegenerative disease. I've included several figures from Sai's paper in the post accompanying this podcast episode. I'd really encourage you to take a look because the picture speaks a thousand words. The first figure graphs Australian weekly total doses with a lead time of 21 weeks versus excess deaths. And you can see that there is a really tight correlation between these two phenomena. In the next figure that I've included in the post accompanying podcast episode, Sai breaks down the monthly all-cause mortality by age groups, and you can see very clearly that that excess mortality has been particularly concentrated in the 75 and up age group. In other words, the group most likely to be in residential aged care, and the excess mortality only began after the rollout of the experimental injections in 2021. In the next figure, Sy further breaks out monthly excess mortality figures in the 75 to 84 age group to illustrate just how historically anomalous the current levels of excess deaths are, as high as seven times the 2015 to 2019 baseline. Sy's concluding remarks don't pull any punches and demonstrate which side of the Hanlon's razor argument he inclines towards. Quote, earlier epidemiological evidence that COVID injections reduce illness and death has been refuted as an example of Simpson's paradox. Instead, the evidence has shown increased iatrogenic or treatment-caused deaths. Without taking the precaution of investigating the abnormally high excess deaths, Australia has continued to prioritise the elderly for COVID injections, which the elderly cannot usually refuse if they are in residential aged care facilities. 
the longer the authorities delay stopping widespread injections to conduct a thorough investigation into the causes of excess deaths in Australia, the stronger is the implication that the excess deaths in the elderly are deliberate policy, which is, in effect, iatrogenic gerontocide. Gerontocide is a serious violation of human rights because it is a morally reprehensible criminal act to target intentionally older adults based on their age, end quote. As Sai points out, monthly excess mortality has continued to run at unprecedentedly high levels since the data analysed in his paper, and yet, in March 2023, Australian senators, by a slim majority, voted against launching an inquiry into these unexpected deaths. When the Commonwealth Health Department is hell-bent on continuing to inject defenceless elderly people with an endless series of boosters that have been shown to increase the risk of infection, and the Senate refuses to examine the reasons for the excess deaths occurring in the entire population, and particularly concentrated in the nursing home age demographic, it is hard to defend the position that stupidity, rather than malice, explains this bizarre behaviour. What do you think? Is this country run by incompetent clowns or cold-blooded murderers? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and on your socials and make sure you subscribe to my Empowered Substack so you never miss a post.